Hi, y'all. You're listening to In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile. I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. My guest today is an old friend who had listened to some previous podcasts of In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile, specifically the That to Which We Are Tethered, and wanted to weigh in on the debate between historical Christianity and progressivism. We'll call this friend Da Fang Dong. Da Fang Dong and I met while we were both living in China. His PR team asked that I give a brief list of his accomplishments to date, which are as follows. Da Fang Dong entered university at the age of 16, where he went on to graduate, not magna cum laude, but barely with Ds. He has lived on four continents, made love to three women, two men, and one transgender prostitute. At the age of 25, Da Fang Dong learned about a new currency called Bitcoin. It cost about $12 per coin at that time. And so he proceeded to invest large amounts of money into Batman comic books. Da Fang Dong is currently trying to found a village idiots guild that will help village idiots everywhere in their times of need. If you want to join, please send Da Fang Dong a check for $1,000 made out to cash. After that, you'll receive a membership card. Once a member, please call the number on the back for any assistance. Members are encouraged to continue sending monies as much as they can. Oh, wow, Tim. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I mean, you wrote it and sent it to me, so... Well, yeah. <laughs> so what's up with you? Uh, not much. You've basically had your own deconstruction, as Richard Rohr and other progressives would put it. And part of that process is... Well, it's supposed to be. Most, it seems like, they deconstruct until they become atheists, and that's that. And You're supposed to reconstruct... You feel like you have reconstructed, and so you now do have right. a faith, but it's maybe more, I don't know, a purified or, or maybe based in experience or based in revelation. I, you know, you, you tell me, but what parts did you come back to? What parts do you feel like, if you have a creed, what is it? It's funny because the thing that I really want to talk about with you today, you'll see that it's a, a creed can be a very tricky thing to have. Okay. And it's funny how I got there because I heard a, quote from the Roman poet Horace. It, it was in some movie from, uh, you know, Hannibal Lecter? Yeah. is in that Red Dragon movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And he says, think to, think to yourself that every day is your last. Mm-hmm. The hour to which you do not look forward will soon come as a welcome friend. I'm butchering the quote, but then he says... As for me, if you are in need of a good laugh, uh, you will find me in a fine state, fat and sleek, a true hog of Epicurus's herd. And so I just heard that quote, and then, of course, like, I memorized it. Yeah. I just thought, like, oh, my gosh, that's such a, like, you know, what a cool, like, like spit in the face of death quote, you know. And so... Years later, I actually looked up who Epicurus was. And so Epicurus was this um, Greek philosopher. And, you know, I just, I read one book about the guy. So, but he has these four, it's basically like four principles. The first one is nothing to fear from God. Nothing to feel in death. That which we need is easy to get. 
and that which is painful is easy to bear. In a way, at the point where I was in my spiritual journey, it was just like, oh my gosh, that's kind of a new and interesting way of looking at the process of life. And then, of course, there's all these, you have to go into each one separately. But And so when they say nothing to fear from God, it's just not that God isn't there. Mm-hmm. Because a lot, and it's funny because a lot of the early Christians were the people that kind of said, "Oh, well, these these Epicureans—they're over there, and they're like, they're over there hanging out in their communes, just drinking and having sex all day." And because of the early Christians, these people have gone down in history in a way that's been misunderstood. Because it wasn't just all drunken orgies; it was like. There was still, you were supposed to live a life of moderation. It just all kind of falls into these four principles. And then so like, okay, so for me, that was like a creed I could get behind because it was so simple. Because I accepted this thing and my way of thinking of God, even before nothing, to, I heard the, or I read the words, nothing to fear from God. I was always, I was already kind of on that path. Like, what would it be like to be God? And, you know, and I just thought like of how this bit could develop into God is trying, God is this person or being or spirit or whatever. It's like he's trying to throw a party, a universal party. (laughs) It's just like, so you can either like be at the party or you can be at the party, but not enjoy yourself. But you have to be there. So I think you've hit on something there. Okay, so. First of all, I should say that, like, I think most, I think most Christians would say they would have some problem, or that maybe it's a little bit unbiblical. What Epicurus said there. I mean, there's there's yeah. some problem. Of course, that again, this goes back to uh, Scripture being one of the authorities, or, or in some people's minds, the only authority. So I agree with. Maybe I don't necessarily see it necessarily as a party, but I feel like there's like this hum in the universe. And you know, God's <laughs> trying to talk to all of us. God wants communion with all of us. And it's just kind of a matter w- whether we choose to t- tune in or not. That's where I feel like the party thing kind of fits. Because, and it's funny because I know that you're a DJ. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're DJing this party, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you're doing a good job. And then there's just like the one, there's like this one person, you know, that's just like, <laughs> comes over and they're like, can you play the chicken dance? Mm-hmm. It's like, I would, but you know, I got this going and then I got this next thing coming up, but I want the chicken dance. <laughs> I feel like that's the equivalent of like what prayer is. It's like, no, I want it my way. Yeah. And he's like, dude, you're at the party guy. What else do I have to do? I set up the speakers. We got the music. We got the booze in the back. Get a drink and dance, but leave me alone. <laughs> That's how I see God. Like, and one of my favorite quotes about God is, God is a comedian playing to a room of people who are afraid to laugh. Yes. So what you're saying, though, I mean, that, that, that does kind of jive with somewhat tr- traditional Christianity in that, you know, the, the, the petulance of the guy who wants to hear the chicken dance he wants things to be a certain way. He, he doesn't want to be obedient or he doesn't want to do what God wants him to do. He wants, you know, that's that kind of rebellion as right. you know, the rebellion in heaven is like Satan did, mm-hmm. or even just that daily rebellion. And the other thing I wanted to mention too, is that um, the refusal to listen to the, the music 
or get distracted by something else that's not the music of God. I think that's why idolatry is stressed so much, especially in the Old Testament, that it yeah. seemed like uh, we easily find a way to not hear that music, not hear the hum. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's where I feel the beauty comes back into Christianity. Because I feel like, okay, so I can accept these four principles that I told you about. And you, like, not everybody's going to agree with them. And I can accept that. Like, it's cool. And I would totally talk to anybody about them. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, I don't want that to be my creed forever. Mm-hmm. I want to be proven wrong so then I can continue to learn or to refine. Right. You know, because the more you refine your point of view on anything, the more you can relate to other people. It's like it gives you a new perspective. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. For me, that search for perspective is the whole point. But so Jordan Peterson's claim is literally that if you want to live a life, like a mentally healthy life, that is what these um, books are. That's what these stories are, the story of Judaism the story of Christianity, Islam. And, and then like, and you and I live in China together. So, you know, there they have Confucianism mm-hmm. and then they have Lao Tzu. And maybe you don't agree with this, but the way I see Confucianism is the, and the Tao is that Confucius teaches you how to, it's basically like a mismanners manual. Yeah. It's like, this is the way you behave in society. Mm-hmm. If you behave this way, if enough people behave this way, then society will work pretty well. Well, if everybody acted like Jesus, let's get out of here. The world would be pretty great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, Confucius was a, so obsessed with the right things and the wrong things to do. I mean, he was even like uh, saying like what kind of robes you, you should be wearing and what kind of music should be played at a, this kind of ceremony. I mean, he was so uh, OCD about it. It was it became almost like a. But maybe he went too far. Uh, he got, he got, forget the spirit of the law. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it, it, because all they focus is on is on the word, yeah. and that's something that I feel like modern day Christianity has a huge problem with. Richard Wurr. And I only got introduced to him to a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like I heard one talk. So yeah, in my 33 years, I've never heard a real hippy dippy priest like this guy, mm-hmm. which shows that he's just become a book factory. He's become a Richard Rohr factory. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. God bless him. I hope he's happy. Not happy, but I hope he feels like he's doing the right thing. Yeah, the fact that it took me 33 years to be here about one hippy dippy priest mm-hmm. just goes to show this lack of any or i'm judging again though here i go it also has to do with the specific family situation that i grew up in so i can't say that there's this wide sweeping thing of like there's no hippy catholics but it took me 33 years to find one that was an actual priest you know all the other priests i've met it's a be good, be good, be good. All right, don't do that anymore. Be good. You know, it's just like you're not telling me anything. How long can you tell somebody to be good for before they're like, all right, dude, well, you, you have nothing original to say. It's just like, okay, you went to college, they taught you how to say the things in Latin, and now you're throwing 
some wafers at me. So it's like, get out of here. <laughs> Am I too much of a jerk? <laughs> hey, audience, if you want to let me know if I'm a jerk or not, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I feel like I'm a broken record. I don't know if there's anybody out there that's listened to every single one of my podcasts, but I feel like I told the story at least once, if not more. But I'll tell it again. I think it hits on something, maybe where you're at in your journey. So there's this Buddhist story about how the student was learning from the master and maybe a couple of years into their studies, the master seems to say something that's completely contrary to something he had said a few years before. And the student pressed him on it and said, hey, that doesn't make any sense. You said something opposite or something quite different a few years ago. And so the, the master says, well, when you uh, cross a river, how, how do you... How do you get across if you can't swim? And the student says, well, you use a boat. And he says, okay. So you use the boat to get across the river. So once you get on the other side, you continue to carry that boat. And the student's like, well, no, because it it's heavy and it would just slow you down. You wouldn't get anywhere. And he said, well, that's how some ideas are. They help you get past a certain point, but then they're unnecessary. In fact, they become a burden if you keep believing those things. I would say that you're absolutely right, but that should be a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. the, you should go to your death saying, I don't know what I'm about to see over here or if I'm going to see anything. And here, I'm going to put on my judgy pants again okay? just because I feel like it. Yeah, I can hear you <laughs> but, uh, pulling them up on each leg. They're corduroy. Yeah. How far gone are we from the early Christians who were walking into the Colosseum with smiles on their faces. You know, how far have we fallen from the gospel message of Christ to, it's like, if you are a Christian and you think you need a gun to defend your house, then you are not a Christian because Jesus did not say, take up your AKs and follow me. He said, take up your cross and follow me. So if you're supposed to die in your bed because somebody wants your television, and have faith like all these people who are christian and it's just like they're voting based on i know a lot of christians that are, they are like one issue voters mm -hmm. and that issue is abortion which again i have an opinion on but i don't want to sound like a jerk to, this thing with guns it's just like give them up it's people saying, oh, well, if the government ever, it's like, buddy, you're literally being, you're bringing a gun to a drone fight. You're bringing a gun to a predator drone fight. May I play contrarian with you? Yes. Okay. The armies, the British armies, the American armies, the New Zealanders, everybody that participated in World War II and liberated the, uh, the deaf camps, were they wrong? Should they have just let the Nazis continue... Mm what they were doing this is tough because Hitler wasn't like out saying like we're we're starting the camps today right like he wasn't publicizing what he was doing true to the jewish people was he no but american and british intelligence figured it out you know through oh to uh, basically some, some Jews that had escaped, and there was a, one famous Polish guy who actually snuck into a camp. He, I think he pretended to be a, a Jew just to confirm it and told the world. But So they knew. You're right that that's not the only reason that the Allies were fighting the war. 
but Hitler was going to take over the world. I mean, he he was pretty clear on that. Like he felt he could remake the world into a better place. Yeah. And he, he yeah. obviously by his actions showed what he would was willing to do right. even to the allies. I mean, he had killed a lot of them up to that point. Right. So, were they wrong? Should they have just accepted their fate? Had had faith. The Jews or the allies? Well, either. I mean, because uh, a lot of Jews didn't fight back. I've, I've interviewed one Holocaust survivor, but uh, but some really? did in Krakow, um, the most famous. Oh, yeah, there was the riots. Oh, yeah. Riot. They, I think they knew they were going to go down anyway, and so they basically yeah. uh, tried to do their best. But I think most people see them as doing the right thing. And uh, i give you another maybe. It's a situation you may are probably more likely to end up in. Mm-hmm. Say you see a child, you walk into a room and a child's being molested or something like that by an adult, and you have the mm-hmm. ability to stop it. Should you just let it go and just have faith? Let's go back to the Hitler one, because oh. I think this is like the example of our times, right? Okay. And this is where I like I know that I fall so far short. And this is why, like, I put on my judgy pants, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be a judge. It's just, may I read you something very quickly? Sure. It's one of of my favorite passages from Jung. Okay, Carl Jung. From Carl Jung, yeah. Especially in today's world, this passage is very, very powerful. Yeah, it might kind of get at the heart of what we're trying to talk about here with Hitler. So he was talking to a group of clergy, I think it was in Switzerland, and he's talking about um, psychoanalysis and helping patients. And he says, people forget that even doctors have moral scruples and that certain patients' confessions are hard even for a doctor to swallow. Yet the patient does not feel himself accepted unless the very worst of him is accepted too. No one can bring this about by mere words. It only comes through reflection and through the doctor's attitude towards himself and his own dark side. If the doctor wants to guide another or even accompany him a step of the way, he must feel with that person's psyche. He never feels it when he passes judgment. Whether he puts his judgment into words or keeps them to himself makes not the slightest difference. To take the opposite position and to agree with the patient offhand is also of no use but estranges him as much as condemnation feeling comes only through unprejudiced objectivity okay so i think we were talking about this question with like if i uh, thought that what the allies were doing was good or bad right and that's one way to look at the issue like i feel like i don't have time on this earth to ask myself whether or not what the allies did was right. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's my responsibility to ask myself and answer truthfully. If you were born at that time and put into those positions, could you be a Nazi? And I would say absolutely 100% without a doubt, I would be a Nazi and I would be capable of atrocious crimes. All humans in the right circumstances are capable of it. Right. And so that's where I feel like this young quote really starts to come in because, and this Jordan Peterson character, because the thing that I don't like about Jordan Peterson is that he seems to be all about this money. 
But the thing that I do like about him is that his message is the individual. And so that's something that I've always thought was missing from Christianity too, is the focus on the individual and what the individual, and again, this is just my perception from my um, growing up in the Catholic church. It just felt like, oh, okay, so I'm not important at all. I'm just part of this thing to glorify this other thing so that if one day I go to church every Sunday, I can be happy. But Young and this Peterson, they're taking it to an individual level. And they're saying so, because we can try to find good in ourselves and we could try to find evil out there. Like, where does the devil live? Mm -hmm. If there is a devil, where does he live? This is where I feel like the Jordan Peterson and then Christianity. There's just enormous potential with these messages of accepting responsibility for yourself as an individual. Mm -hmm. So that if anybody asks you, where does the devil live? Before you'll ever think about Hitler, you'll say in my heart. Sure. Because only by knowing where the devil is in your heart, can you possibly hope to see him in others? Mm -hmm. If, and I'm talking not so much metaphysical devil, but like the idea of the devil, but let's say it is the metaphysical devil, then it's like, you still have a responsibility to understand that you can say like, oh, I don't have enemy. And I'm not talking to you, Tim, when I say you, mm -hmm. but I'm talking to your audience. When you say like, I don't have enemies, when you tell yourself, I would never do that, I'm not a racist. You know, Whenever you give yourself a pat on the back, don't. <laughs> you know? It's like, realize that you are everything that's wrong but at the same time being everything that's wrong if you take this story of christianity the story of this poor little man who was allowed himself to literally be nailed to a tree for things that other people did all i know and this is the thing that i felt was missing from the other conversation and this is the thing that i feel is so important especially in today's world is that where does evil lie? Where does it live mm -hmm. in my heart? Yeah. And literally removing that from your heart is a lifelong process. And what this doctor is saying, because on the other episode, you guys also talk about like, well, how do you talk about these ideas to people? How do you, how are you like in the world, but not of the world? Mm -hmm. And like, how do you, and it's like, it's only by accepting that you aren't important at all. And that unimportance also makes you the most important thing of all. And I think it goes more towards like Chinese Eastern or philosophy, these ideas. You had a quote in your essay about somebody mentioning the Lao Tzu. The master doesn't know anything, right? But Lao Tzu wrote this 500 or 5,000 word tome. Right. The man who talks about the Tao uh, doesn't know the Tao. Then he went on to write what the 5,000 characters about the Tao. Right. I mean, he surely right. knew that he was uh, had a sense of humor. And I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I think you just hit the nail right on the head. This sense of humor God is a comedian playing to a room full of people who are afraid to laugh. Tragedy plus time equals comedy.
So when I first heard about the progressives, my initial reaction was, well, this is nuts, some of the stuff that they believe. And I don't think a whole lot of people are, are going to get on that train. But as time went on, uh, they have grown. A lot of people are getting on that train. And in fact, a lot of people that I know, it's somewhat astounding, especially some of the people that were much more closer to fundamentalism at one point in their life than even I was, just how they were kind of being a jerk back then on one side of the aisle. Now they're being a jerk on this side of the aisle. I started to feel like I got to maybe say something or at least buck back or stand up for myself or stand up for a little bit of logic. But then I thought, well, that's between them and God. You know, they got their own journey. I don't know. I know that I've been through that. I've rejected it, but maybe they have to go through it. So, you know, just leave them be. But then, of course, there's scripture uh, saying that, you know, we, we should not just stay silent, especially if they're leading other people astray. And I think they are in droves. But then, at least personally, I think like, well, who am I to say? I don't think I have that kind of authority, especially someone who's got it so wrong so many times, mostly because of my stubbornness or my curiosity or my, oh, you know, idolatry, insecurities, you name it. But then again, you think like, well, maybe just like someone who has had an abortion is probably pretty qualified to talk about why it, this is a destructive thing and not good. Or someone who's been a murderer and saying that, hey, I've killed somebody. This is why you don't want to do it. Hence why I decided to take a crack at what I felt was a bad direction that progressives are going in. Understanding that we don't know everything and God is a mystery, but we also know that he did take the time to try to tell us about who he is and, and try to get us to listen to his music at the party. A symbol that I like that uh, we both know, of course, is the yin-yang. Yeah. Yeah, so the yin-yang, there's the, you know, the white side and the black side. And so there's the circles within the circles. Right. And so it's funny, though, because then there are the, there's other versions of that symbol out there. And it's like within the s- smaller circles is like another yin-yang. And mm. Within the smaller circles in those is... So it's like a continual, it's like yin yangs all the way down, you know? Because, yeah, so we have this thing of like, I'm a fool, I don't know anything. But then you also have the side of you that is part of the world and wants to act as a part of the world. And then so I think that maybe the trick is then, so if you have the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the left, it's like, okay, well then put a devil and an angel on the angel's shoulders and put an angel and a devil on the devil's shoulders, <laughs> but give them a conscience, you know, it's like, and just, it's like this constant search of like, the story of Christianity, and the myth of it, and the way it all fits, and the way of like, with the Torah from before, and then Jesus, like he said, I haven't come to replace the law, but to fulfill it, you know, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and I think you can only really fulfill something when you're not trying to fulfill anything. Hmm. It went back to that young quote that I told you. It's like, if you, if a psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst wants to help somebody, then they can only help them if they accept the person for who they truly are. And the fact of the matter is, is that we live in a world where 
a lot of the things that people choose to be can seem like bad to us. Mm-hmm. And I think Nietzsche talks about this in his book because he's kind of like the first chapter of Beyond Good and Evil. He's kind of talking trash about philosophers and how philosophers get way too comfortable with um, their ideas and how, yeah, so it just becomes orthodoxy in a different way. You know? I think one truth, if, if anything, that I think you hit on, and I know that daily I, I have to re- remind myself, and sometimes I forget, and it may take me a couple of weeks to remind myself that everyone that I see, it was created in the image of God for one thing. So they are, uh, you know, a child of God. God loves them regardless of how horrible yeah. they may be. I know I bring this up a lot, but I see a lot of stuff because of uh, I work with the in, in the entitlement world. A lot of child abuse, and you can imagine what happens when you're defrauding the government, you're defrauding everybody, and, and including your own children. But anyway, yeah. um, and it's hard not to think like, man, these people are so depraved, they've completely uh, lost their humanity, which they haven't, you know. It, it's just you get so angry when you see what you see. So I have to keep reminding myself that I have been depraved, and, and I am depraved at times of my life more so than now. But still, I still have it in me. I still, you know, yeah. want to do what's uh, best for me, even at the expense of somebody else. And that's exactly what these folks are doing. Uh, in this case, it's yeah. their own children. But, um, but yeah. So I think that is something that we have to be tethered to to bring it down on the runway here. Uh, <laughs> that we have to recognize that. That we're all fallen, we all fall short of the glory, um, yeah. and that we we all are the glory also. <laughs> yes, yeah, that yeah, we, that we all are created in the image of God, so we all are worth something. We all can shine. We all can be as profound or helpful or as warm as Mother Teresa or some you know someone. I think what we can understand from like Richard Rohr is that. If you're a person that's doing something and you start to get that attention, that's when it's most important to check that the mm-hmm. devil and your angel on your shoulder. You have to make sure that your ally and your cynic, your mental ally and cynic are still playing, or like one is not getting too much attention versus the other. Mm-hmm. Because if people start to tell you, oh, you're so great, you're so great, you're so great, you have this tendency to believe them, you know? Yeah, And then when you think you're really great, then you have the tendency to think that you can do nothing wrong. And when you think that you don't have the potential to do anything wrong, you kill 11 million people in concentration camps. The conversation between Dafang Dong and myself is not over, and we'll try to pick back up sometime in the future. In the meantime, if you want to hear the original essay that got this whole sticky ball rolling, give In the Corner Back by the Woodpile 184 a listen. In the Corner Back by the Woodpile is produced by A Closet, A Pocket, and A Suitcase. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbeam.com. If you'd like to send us some hate mail, you can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. See ya, and I wouldn't want to be ya.